Hello friends and welcome. This is episode 3 of Journey Into Fandom, a podcast where I have guests on to discuss what fandoms and communities they're part of, what their experience has been, what the memes are, and how toxic or wholesome it is. Oftentimes my guests will talk about something I have zero experience with, so I'm learning as we go. I'm your host, Karis Lunn, and today on the show we have Stephen White on to talk about the culture surrounding video games. Stephen hosts the Super Mega Crash Bros. Turbo podcast and the Cinema Salsa podcast. We discuss some of our favourite games, how the video game community negatively responds to things they don't like, and Stephen talked a lot about Evergate, which is an indie game, and it's got a really great community of people that play to support the passionate developers that made the game, and they're not part of a toxic culture, so that's awesome. Now, without any further ado... Please join me on this journey into fandom. everybody to another episode of Journey into Fandom. I am your host. My name is Karis and today on the show we have Stephen White. Hello, how are you? I'm doing very well. How about yourself? I'm doing really good. <laughs> um, Yeah, so you do a fair bit, I've noticed. Mm-hmm. So yeah. In terms of podcasting, so you've got the Super Mega Crash Bros podcast and Cinema Salsa, is that right? That is those that is correct. Two. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us a little bit about those and like what you talk about? Sure. Um, on Cinema Salsa, it's a fairly new podcast that I started with a friend of mine, Philip Peck, and we just wanted to do a movie podcast that was a little bit different than what you normally hear from what mm-hmm. I usually get. Um, Whatever new movie came out, people want to just spend an episode and review it, which, you know, it works. It's fine. But there just seems to be a fair amount of them. And we thought it would be fun to not just talk about whatever we've watched, but maybe go deeper into uh, cinema history or or even things that are going on in the zeitgeist of the film industry that and just kind of explore it and discuss is this the way it's going to be? Are there going to be changes? Um, mm. How did we even get there, for that matter? And just have a nice conversation about it to see if we can open any ideas of our own that uh, could possibly work in the the film industry, because we both love films. That's so fun. Yeah, I did um, film and media like at university, so that's like up my alley. Right. I'm going to have to... I might have to check that out. Yeah. And <laughs> That's cool. And as far as Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo goes, uh been doing that for about five years now. Uh, mm-hmm. We talk about video game or the video game industry, and we try to bounce around. We've really played with the format. If you go back from, like, the early days to when we were doing it to what we're doing now, you can see mm-hmm. we've really streamlined a lot of the process the one main factor is we talk about whatever's going on in the industry. It could be game announcements. It could be, you know, drama behind the scenes at a company or something like that and just kind of discuss it and how we feel about it. Uh, and then we've we played around with different um, uh, elements like uh, we used to talk about release dates strictly in one section. And it was like, eh, people know. <laughs> and then <laughs> that's right. Right. You know, you're, you're following your favorite game, you know. And then mm-hmm. we uh, used to do, and still do, game reviews, but not as many as maybe we'd like to. But just every time something really, really catches our eyes, like, hey, we're going to do a game review on this, whatever week or weekend it came out. Uh, I've been doing essays on uh, video game history, which it started with um, way back when, <laughs> matter of fact. It was this uh, one story about a video game company back in the Nintendo days that Mm -hmm. went around their 
uh, rules and regulations because Nintendo was very strict on what got on their platform and this company didn't like it. They were like, no, 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 we're going to do it our way and we're not going to follow your rules. So they actually broke the law to do that. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. So little things like that, it just made me kind of get interested in what other stories like this I could find because that couldn't be the only one. And sure enough, there are many fascinating stories just about arcade companies, uh, video game consoles, just all sorts of things to how they got made or just even what kind of took them down. And I always found those really fascinating. I mean, <laughs> like I feel like... People just take video games for granted now, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. they're just everywhere. But it's like, you know, all these innovations yeah. from way back, you know, and that's just really cool. Yeah, if um, I've actually done a few on innovations. Uh, one in particular, if you remember the zapper for the NES way back yes. for Duck Hunt and stuff like that, I just in doing research for that, I didn't really know how far the rabbit hole would go, but it goes all the way back to the 1930s. And that just blew my, oh my mind. Gosh. That's wild. Yeah. So it was like that when the concept of like the zapper showed up? like Pretty much. I mean, it was where did the technology start from? And there used to be these uh, gun games that they have in, in these old arcades. Now, when we think of arcades now, we're thinking of, you know, uh, big box machines and the controllers yeah. and the buttons, but arcades used to be almost like carnival attractions. And right, yeah. So the light gun game was kind of a duck hunt game, but with this very different, but in the same vein of a zapper gun, except it used like uh, television tubes, and they weren't even right. meant for. That purpose, they just got repurposed for that. They were initially used for uh, science experiments. And someone saw it and said, you know what? I bet you I could use this for a game. And then that started there, and it just kind of built from that point on. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Like, that's so random, but so interesting. <laughs> I mean, the, the technology <laughs> has evolved so much. The NES Zapper had to use the television tubes in the televisions that were the big floor models and the big cabinets. But now yeah. that we don't use that anymore, the technology does not work on current TV uh, models. So there are people out there now trying to find a way, and some have, to make these old games workable on new uh, television systems. And that was kind of fascinating as well. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, we sell all those at work. So, like, I work in a video game store, and we sell, like, a lot of, like, retro consoles. But I'm always, like, looking at the, um, at the, like, connections on the wires or whatever. And I'm like, like, how, like, how does this work on a normal TV? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. So, tell me about your, your fandom journey. So, like, how, when did you start playing video games? Uh, started way back when I was five, that would have been around 85 and anyone wants to do the math on that, you're more than welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, video games have always kind of been there. I remember, um, Atari, but I never had one. It was just one of those consoles I, I that my cousins had and then I would play it at their house. And then eventually I got my own, uh, Nintendo and it just kind of started from there and they've always been a part of my life. And, mm. but I never, if you were to ask me between the two video games or movies, which is my passion, movies would take, you know, top spot over video games, but video games right. are very close second. And I, it wasn't until I actually started doing my podcast that I really started to understand a lot more that went into video games as a whole, because you just kind of yeah. take it for granted you know, there's a new game, right. great, and then you're there. But now kind of seeing it from the other side, it does kind of change your perspective a little bit. So, and I can get into that too, but uh, we'll get there. But yeah. Absolutely. The, the journey itself, yeah, it's been uh, lifelong pretty much. Oh, that's so cool. So like, what's like the first game you ever remember playing? Ooh, boy. Um... It would have to be something like Pac-Man. 
Um, yeah. I remember, I remember being blown away the very first time I saw Super Mario Brothers because it was unlike any other game that I had seen. Yeah. Because other games at that point, it was just a simple screen. You were either shooting something, moving through something, mazes or whatnot. But that was an adventure. You saw it. You were going through this entire level, getting through enemies, going through castles. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, I've got to play this. And when I did, it was just, you know, groundbreaking. Same with The Legend of Zelda. Once you play it and actually realize you can explore, well, that was just unheard of at the time. Now, every game like that is just you explore. Mm-hmm. So they were, they seem so groundbreaking, even though they're very simple today. But the concepts, I would say, are, were groundbreaking for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can see just throughout the years, like they've stuck around. Like Nintendo is like still like the big player. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many other companies too, but like. You know, and because uh, I'm always surpri- not surprised, but I'm always like, this game is from is like nearly twenty years old and it's still so expensive. Like people are still buying these games. Yeah, like the, all that the Nintendo are pretty out, like all of the different things. And I'm like, whoa. There was but yeah. I I don't know if you saw that. Speaking of expensive video games, uh, perfectly sealed copies or a copy of Super Mario Brothers sold for. Going out on a limb, $250,000? Oof. Yeah. That, that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> but it's insane. <laughs> That's so wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, so are you a collector of anything at all, or do uh, you just play for fun? I, I collect a few things here and there. I won't say mm. that um, I've collected a lot of video games that are rare, but I do have a handful that are hard to find. And if I know they're hard to find, I've not let go of them. Right. So I do have a few that I would say are collectibles and I'm not willing to give them up. But sure. if it got to a point where it looked like, oh, yeah, well, you can find that and there's nothing special about yours. Sure. I'll give it up. Yeah. Awesome. So, like, do, do you interact with, like, a lot of other people in the gaming community? Like online or stuff like that, or like through the podcast at all? Well, as far as who we interact with, um, we've tried to really diversify who we have on the show or who we talk to. Now, obviously, we have our Twitter account, Instagram, things like that. So we, we, you know, do retweets here and there, respond here and there. And how much interaction we get just depends on whoever we're talking to. But as far as people we've had on our show, we've had... Quite a few uh, independent game developers because we're really passionate about what they do more than we are the uh, AAA gaming industry. Even though, you know, one wanted to come on, we're not going to turn them away. (laughs) (laughs) But the indie games, we, we feel like we have, you know, we have a passion for them. And we know that sometimes indie games get lost in the shuffle because everyone wants to play the big Call of Duty game or Halo, but no one thinks about the little games and what really goes on into that. And any chance we, we've we had to showcase an indie developer and their game and really get it out, that's what we want to do. Um, one in particular mm-hmm. that I remember that I've, I've actually been really proud to watch because I feel like we've been there from the start is there was a game that recently released, I think, last year called Evergate. And Evergate. Yeah, definitely look this one up. We I will. met the developers at PAX East in 2018, if I'm not mistaken, 2017, 2018. And they, had, they were sitting in a booth in a corner in the dark. No one's paying them any mind. And we just stumbled upon them. And saw their game and immediately we're like, oh, this is gorgeous. Let's see what we can do. And we're playing their demo. You can see how excited they are that we are understanding their game mechanics, that we're understanding how to play their game and that it doesn't feel foreign. Or, it, it's it's all natural to us. And I think it excited mm-hmm. them that nothing in their game seems uh, difficult for a gamer. So they get to watch us go through their demo and they're, you know, getting excited about how long it took us to play through or or how we played through it. And from that point on, within a year, they're sitting in the main booth in PAX 
and their game is finally getting the recognition it deserves. That's awesome. And I would never say that we had anything to do with that because their game it was it was meant to to be a big hit and i'm i'm really hoping that it has been for them uh because it's on all platforms now you can find it anywhere and i i think it's a gorgeous game with a gorgeous soundtrack and it's just a lot of fun so i was happy to be a part of that journey just to kind of watch them get to a to a higher spot and not just be relegated to that corner mm it's so awesome that's beautiful yeah. i i love that i love like hearing you know, about indie games that do really well. Like, I'm, yeah, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. So, because there, there's so many. Yeah. There's so much good stuff. And, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I'm, like, a gamer because I'm not really, like, I'm a big Square Enix shell. Mm. And, like, that's about, <laughs> <laughs> that's about it. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, Kingdom Hearts is, like, my thing. It's, like, yeah, yeah. It's amazing um, game. Oh, it's so good. Uh, I could talk about that all day, but we're not here for this. Uh, that's, that's a different podcast. Right. Anyways, yeah, so, like, is there, is would you say there's, like, a community around Evergate or, like, games of that ilk that people are super into? Absolutely. There's. Uh, I'm actually part of their Discord, and they have people coming in all the time. They do speedrun challenges, people just having, you know, Great conversations about, oh, what could I do to, to make this happen? What could I do to make that happen? And they've even, uh, the players have given feedback to the developers, any kind of bugs they find or just anything that just seems a little off says, hey, is there a reason it's like this? Maybe it's something that could be adjusted. And they, they respond, they listen, and they try to do what they can to either help someone get through a level or, or if there is a problem or a bug, they look into it and that's that to me is perfect for a community. It's not people coming in complaining all the time, uh, but there a lot of these people are very positive about what's going on. They're not complaining about it. Of course, you do have your detractors here and there, but um, mm. for the most part, it's very positive, and and everyone's giving great feedback. That's awesome. Yeah, I wonder if that's like a thing, and like if communities around smaller games are generally more wholesome than like big games because obviously there's going to be like less people yeah. playing that i mean not necessarily i mean obviously like you know undertale is huge but um yeah no yeah has that been your experience would you say i've never thought about that so well the gaming community <laughs> they can be fickle I mean, creatures it's huge, yeah, yeah the, i mean <laughs> right. I, as much as i hate to say it i feel like there's more negative than positive so when these little pockets do show up, it's nicer to hear. And there may be more of it out there. And it's just the negativity is louder than the positivity. So mm. that could be the case. But for the most part, it feels like a lot of the fandoms within the video game industry are negative because they f- they come off entitled like they're owed something. Yeah. And I don't really know where it comes from, to be honest. It's it's so weird to me because, yeah, I see this quite a lot in, like, Kingdom Hearts Twitter. is like, people saying, oh, Nomura did this. Like, he, you know, all of his decisions suck so bad. And it's like, I don't understand because not everything is literally like his responsibility. Like he's got a team of writers, he's got a team of artists, like all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's never like down to one person, and like often, often it's like the whole studio is like involved. Yeah. And I think it's similar in that regard to you know the the movie industry where people are like, oh, that person's like the face of it, so we're gonna harass them. Yeah, it's like no. It's not necessary. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and they, I mean, people, gamers, I should say, not people in yeah. general, gamers, <laughs> they seem to have this, there's definitely that association with something they don't like, and that's who they'll take it out on. The most recent uh, instance that I can remember that happened, I think, last year was from uh, The Last of Us Part Two, and oh, yeah. <laughs> Laura Bailey, the actress who played the game's antagonist got so much hate because of the character she played. And 
it's just mind-boggling that they cannot disassociate the actress from the character. I, I so get weird. that the character is, you know, it's she's hard to like. And even by the end of the game, they're trying to get you to sympathize with her. And it's really, really hard. But I think that's the beauty of what they're trying to do. But the fact that these people destroy that because they hate on the actress, because she's acting in a... It's just a performance. And I just... It, right. It's so difficult to understand or wrap my head around. I, I've i never understood, like, that sort of toxicity against, like, an individual. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's toxicity in many forms, but it's like, they're just trying their best. I don't think anybody sets out to make something that people don't like. Right, right. You know? Mm-hmm. And then you get everybody be like, well, no one wanted this. It's like, well, I don't know about that. Like, yeah, because, <laughs> like, I'm surely the, the developers or the writers or the creators or whoever, like, had in mind that, oh, I, I want to tell this story and I hope it resonates with people. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, that's all right. You know, yeah. it just wasn't for you. So I don't know. Well, I think the worst part, especially with someone like her is... Another part of the gaming community that I just I really don't understand is this um, hatred toward women. And I honestly feel like she that's one of the reasons she was targeted. And there just seems to be like this gatekeeping like girls, women, they can't be gamers. And if there's a strong female lead, as she was, well, that's just we can't have that. And of course, she also didn't look like i guess what they want they want the big busty anime looking girl and this was a very strong buff looking woman and they just Mm. they couldn't handle it because she looked strong and how dare they and it really just seemed to set them off yeah it's so crazy i don't understand like because i saw people moaning about um about the design for what is it the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, yeah. that girl yeah. or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, she's like not beautiful enough or something," or it's like she's literally running around in like this survival like landscape. Like, do you think like she would be wearing a bikini or whatever? Like, that's just I don't understand. Yeah, the the <laughs> fact that there's a beauty standard to this character, I just it just boggles the mind. I mean, what does it matter? <laughs> it really doesn't. No. <laughs> so, yeah, gamers, I'm alright. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Like, there's so much weird stuff. Like, and I think that I don't know where that comes from either. That that feeling of like we of of entitlement and stuff like that. It's like who decided that. That this is a terrible idea. Right. I don't know. So, and it's it's so yeah. commonplace in the gaming uh, industry as it is. There are so many strong female leads in a game, and I don't understand why it's still a problem or why it was a problem to begin with. I mean, when Miss Pac-Man jumped on the scene or Samus Aran from Metroid, no one mm-hmm. seemed to bat an eye, and they're acceptable. But yeah, the, it just really depends, I guess, on how they're uh, presented. I guess too strong a female lead. Well, just getting off topic, you know. We we can't have that, and right. it's still just Samus being the the main one. I can really focus on it being one of the oldest. She was very much a strong female lead. I mean, she was taking down an entire alien race. You know, how much stronger can you get? Yeah. But that's right. It just, no one, none of these other characters, I mean, they're absolutely identical in that way, just a little bit more fleshed out, perhaps. And maybe that's what mm-hmm. it is. Maybe there's too much context. Whereas if you're just playing a, a quiet, mute character that's running around just shooting stuff, you don't have to think about it too hard. Right. Yeah. That's so weird to me because, like, I knew that, um, some people are like, oh, but, like, the story is not interesting enough. Like, there's got to be more to do. And it's like, well, yeah, but, 
why do you hate this character? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if the story's not fleshed out, okay, sure, that's that's the writer's fault, but that's not the character's fault. <laughs> that's right. But I know that there's a lot of really cool things going on in the gaming industry, like in terms of like tournaments and like charity events and things like that. Mm-hmm. And that's really cool to see. I don't know if you've ever been a part of anything like that, any sort of like streaming communities or what have you. There was a time, uh, actually, when I first, my co-host, she was a uh, Twitch streamer, Lacia Finley. And she, um, I mean, that's actually where I met her. She was doing a stream on Twitch. We've still tried to remember what game she was playing that brought me into her room, (laughs) but we cannot remember. But whatever it was, it was something I wanted to check out. She was playing it. Uh, I just tried to have a conversation, and then slowly but surely our friendship grew just from that. And she started a streaming community called Epic Streamers and gathered in a few other people, and I met so many people there. We would go to Twitch cons and, and meet other streamers, and uh, they did a big charity event one time for, I think it was Child's Play, which is a, a gaming charity for uh, disabled children. To help them get games and stuff like that, so mm. uh, it's that's a really good cause. And we were we couldn't tell you right offhand how much money we earned, but it was uh, it was quite a bit. I think it was at least in the five thousand range. So it was a good donation, and uh, it was a good stream. It was very uh, time consuming because these uh, charity streams are usually at like twenty four hours over the course of three days. So. Everyone's mm-hmm. kind of playing tag. Who's up? Who's who's watching the games? Who's streaming? Things like that. So it was definitely a chore, but uh, it was worth it. Let's just put it that way. That's so awesome. I I love to see that like communities come together around something and do something good. Yeah, and it it's beautiful when that happens. Like, yeah, and I think that there's still this. This, like, stereo... I don't know. I feel like gaming's become so much more mainstream, even Mm -hmm. in the last, like, I would say, 10 years or so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh Uh-huh. But I don't know, like... There might still be people in the older generation that think gamers are weird. And it's like, (laughs) well, no. Like, it's not... Like, because I always think about this, right? Because I have a lot of friends all over the world that I met online through different communities. Um, And my parents will say things like, oh, it's weird that you don't have any local friends to hang out with. And I'll be like, well, what's weirder? Like, sitting inside talking to no one or talking to people on the internet. Like, you know? So people can meet friends through games and, you know, hang out and do cool charity things. And, like, that's awesome. I think that's something... To be celebrated. Oh, yeah. And a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, meeting um, those online friends for the first time, it was definitely something because it was it was a first for me. I'd never done that either. Uh, and then actually getting to see these people that I've hung out with in their streams and chatted with, to see them in person, just it's, it's like it made them more tangible, more real. And they just felt closer yeah. to me immediately. Because we'd been bonding online, but just to see they're just as cool in person, so much fun to hang out with. I mean, it just it made it so much more real. And I mean, my my co-host, she actually lives in Chicago, which is nowhere near where I'm at. But we do make an effort to at least see each other every year and just hang out. And that's not something I knew that I would ever want to do, but... Mm-hmm. I consider her like my best friend and, and just it, it makes sense that we'd want to hang out every now and again. Yeah, that's so awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool that like video games can do that. You can meet people yeah. like I don't know. Did you see um the thing in Final Fantasy 14 where it was like that tribute to Berserk after the the writer of the manga, like, passed away. Yes. And there were, like, hundreds of people standing on a line, like, with their big swords yeah. and things like that. And it's like, this is beautiful. All these people coming together in this game to, like, respect someone that really influenced their life. Yeah, and there's, there's so many instances like that where you can find 
that community that does something so amazing. And you just, again, I think it's the negativity is the loudest voice, but there are so many things like that, that when there is a good positive story, it's so pure. Like that Mm. is so beautiful to think about. And there, there's so many good people out there in the gaming industry. I just feel like that they are content keeping within their fandom, their, their game and leave all the negativity at the door, which I really appreciate. Yeah, that's pretty much what I try to do, um, I feel like. So, yeah, what what sort of game communities, like, are you a part of? Like, what are you playing right now? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of the games that I play, um, I, do, I won't say that I'm huge into multiplayer, and mainly because right. a lot of the multiplayer games that I've ever attempted to play I always seem to get stuck with those people <laughs> and they it's like they're hell bent on trying to make the experience fun for them and negative for everyone else. Like they're trying oh, to, you know, destroy what you're doing. Um, one game that I used to love playing, but it was a multiplayer or an, uh, yeah, online multiplayer only was Friday the 13th. And right. Sometimes you'd get a great group. Other times you'd have people working side by side so one person would be the killer, the other person would be a survivor, and the survivor would point Jason in your direction, be like, hey, I found one. So they're just ruining it for everybody because there's no fair chance here. Someone's looking out for the killer, and you're just getting screwed in the process. So things right. like that always used to aggravate me, but there is one that I've played online quite a bit, and it seems to be pretty positive, and that's for, uh, Monster Hunter World. Oh, cool. And that is probably one of my all-time favorite online games that I know that I can usually run into a good group who are just there to hunt. They're there to do what they're, you know, everybody else is there to do. And everyone's got each other's back. So games like that I really find fun when you can get a really good group of people. That's so great. Yeah, I, I, I've never got into online multiplayers either. I mean, I started like Genshin, um, but it's not really that uh, big on like the multiplayer aspect. It's more of like a kind of just open world sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I got so far and like, I do want to go back to it at some point, but there's just so much else. Yeah. To do. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the worst part. There used to be a time where I used to replay so many games because there wasn't anything else to play. And now it feels like there's so much that I don't even know where to begin. Yes. That's my problem. Like, I don't really play games much at all. And it's really because I'll just be sitting here and I'll be like, what do I want to play? And I'll be like, I don't know. It's like, I'll bring up Steam and I'll be like, what? Have I not finished everything? <laughs> what do I want to finish? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> just, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it is the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's like the last game that you played and you were like, this game is so good? Like, this could be my favorite game of the year. Mm, well, let's see. That might be a tough one because <laughs> I've played a lot. I'd say the last one I really got sucked into, but just in the worst possible way, uh, was Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And no. I, when I play these games, I know what's going to happen. And one of the biggest criticisms I hear with games like that is like, well, the open world and there's just so much to do and I don't know where to start and... Oh, these games are just, there's just so much mundane stuff to do. I get sucked into it. <laughs> I don't right. know why, because I, <laughs> I think it really comes down to the idea of it being a, uh, an open world, just area that I can go run around in. So I don't have to do anything, but there's everywhere I can go, all these places to explore. And I just want to yeah. explore and I think that's one of the reasons I get sucked into them so hard is it's just the exploration of it all. I just want to do that. Um, but would I say that was the greatest game I've played? I, I mean, it had its moments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kept me entertained for the most part. Um, but Spider-Man Miles Morales, I'd say, was probably one of the last ones that I played that I was just like, love this game so much because I played through it twice within a weekend. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's just so fluid. It looks gorgeous. It's 
everything about it is everything I want in a game. Because I can explore, I can, you know, keep myself busy, uh, mm. just everything. It's just it's so much fun. Yeah. I think that my my thing as well is, like, games are so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> Such an expensive hobby. Like, when new things come out, it's like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not do that i'm gonna wait till they go down so mm-hmm. um i haven't got even got around to playing the first spider-man game that's like really cheap now so yeah. i'll probably get around to it and then i might play miles for alice when it becomes like expensive <laughs> definitely recommend um, it <laughs> yeah it's going down a little bit mm-hmm. i will say that yeah but i always i always shill for for square like i always tend to buy their things like pretty soon after they come out although i haven't i haven't um bought neo the world ends with you yeah because i haven't even finished the the original on ds yeah. <laughs> to do that yeah i remember <laughs> playing that one uh on the ds was i think when it first came out or sometime after it came out and i remember getting yeah. sucked into it pretty hard it's so good mm-hmm. um i the music is such a jam yeah like, mm-hmm. yeah i don't know what's your favorite like genre of game uh i would say something along the lines of I guess action adventure. Um, I do like the games that are third person kind of allow you to explore kind of like the Assassin's Creed, but not necessarily just that. It's just the idea of being able to work at my own pace and not work through the pace of whatever they're trying to set me into like a box. Now, not to say that platformers or things like that aren't fun, but I just I guess I do enjoy a bit of freedom when I'm playing a game. Yeah. So anything kind of in that vein, I, I think I lean toward more. Uh, but I, I mean, I'm not against uh, fighting games. It just depends on what they are. I don't necessarily gravitate toward them. Uh, racing games, I, usually unless it's Mario Kart, I could do without. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, what else? I don't care for sports games. Uh, first person shooters. It, again, depends on what it is. <laughs> Uh, just not not something I'm always going toward. So yeah, just yeah. third person action adventures. That's fun. There's so many of those too. Mm-hmm. And like there's so many good ones. Yeah. Like, man, I wonder if Elder Scrolls Six will ever come out. Well, they <laughs> the fact that they are re-releasing Skyrim yet again. I don't know. <laughs> I think they're <laughs> going to keep beating that dead horse until. They can get around to six, and they're just trying to distract us all. Yeah, at this point, I've like kind of lost interest. Like, I was really excited for it, and now it's like it's. I don't. Will it ever happen? Yeah. Too f- <laughs> too long, too late. I know, but Skyrim is such a good game. It holds up so well, in my opinion. And I think I honestly think that's what they're banking on is that people love that game so much. They're just like, well, if we just re-release it again, they'll buy it, and then you know that'll just buy us some time. They'll forget all about six. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> take a look at GTA Five. They've re-released that game so many times. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, and people are still buying it like yeah. all the time. Like in my store, like people come in and buy it like. That's, Every week. And that's it's another wild. one of those multiplayer games that I just cannot do. Yeah. So many it's trolls. Never, it's never appealed to me. I don't really know why. Yeah. I mean, I tend to enjoy, like, JRPGs over those anyways. I don't know. Just something about them is, like, compelling to me. Now, considering um, that you said that you uh, like Square Enix and you just said you like yes. JRPGs... This is not one of their games, but I think you would enjoy it if you've not played it. Have you ever played Xenoblade Chronicles? No. That would be up your alley if you like a JRPG. Okay, I'll put it on my list. I lost a good 120 hours playing that game. Nice. It was good. Yeah, I'll check it out for sure. Yeah, my problem is, like, I really want to play um the uh, Intergrade Thing, the Final Fantasy VII remake, like thingy, whatever I, it is, side, yeah. side story. <laughs> I refuse to buy a PS5. I'm not doing this. <laughs> like, I just, no, they're so expensive. And like, good luck I'm, finding one. 
Right, exactly. I'm praying it'll come out on PC, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's. Uh, I actually got it myself. I do have a PS5. I was one of the lucky ones. How I got it, I don't know. But <laughs> uh, I, I've played half of the Integrate story and just need to get back to it. I keep forgetting it's there because there's always something else. And I was like, I'll get right. to it. I'll get to it. And it's very short, too. I think it was only two chapters from what I saw. So it wouldn't yeah. take anything to get through it. I just been piddling and haven't gotten around to it that's that's fair yeah well how do you like the ps5 are you enjoying it it's definitely a unique uh system the the load times are fantastic uh i don't feel like i'm waiting half as long and if i had to go back it would just drive me up the wall um yeah as far as the i'd say the most fascinating aspect of it is the controller because it has uh haptic feedback built into it so okay. what that does is if the developer has uh, designed the game to work with the haptic feedback, everything that happens, whether it's a footstep, uh, shooting your gun, anything like that can be affected by the controller. So they have a demo that comes with the game, and it's like the little Astrobots that they've had in other video games Sony has done. Yeah. And it's pretty much so you can get a feel of how the haptic feedback works. So as you start moving the character, you can feel its feet, you know, stepping on the glass under your feet, but you feel it through the controllers. And it's just something you didn't know you needed, but it just feels so right. Just getting to feel that. And then uh, there are other games where you're using like a, a rocket ship, but you have to, push down on the, the left and right triggers a certain amount of pressure and the trigger buttons themselves will actually work against you. So you have to push hard to get them to work in that moment. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's always doing something to kind of push back on you or, or give you a little bit more force or strength and just kind of enhance the experience of the game you're playing. And I think that's what makes it so unique is it's adding this extra layer of gameplay and interactivity between you and the game that you didn't realize you didn't have until it's there. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's that's super interesting. Yeah. I like if they ever become like affordable, I might get one, but I don't know. Like I just I don't feel like to play games enough to warrant spending that much money i really don't Mm -hmm. like um i wish i had the time or even more accurately i wish i had the motivation (laughs) that's fair (laughs) i'm just i'm lazy i'm such a lazy gamer it's crazy (laughs) there's so many games i've like started and played like two hours of and then i'm like nah yeah so there's nothing wrong with that i feel like part of my problem might be that I haven't strayed too far away from like JRPGs. Mm-hmm. So because you... I'm like I'm like I know I like them, so I'll play them. But it's like there's lots of other games out there that I probably would really like, but I just like I'm like, eh, mm. I don't know. So we need so, to find you a new genre. That's what we need to do. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a new segment. Okay. Playing <laughs> <laughs> Karis a game she wants to play. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. But um yeah. I do like Skyrim. I like Skyrim a lot. And what else? Well, I used to like Crash Bandicoot and then all the Activision stuff happened, so maybe not. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh, yeah. What like last I heard, I don't really know what's going on in that situation, but so, a lot of people got fired or what have you. Yeah, the Activision Blizzard thing, that's actually one of the uh, negative spaces that we're always seeing in the gaming industry. They are probably one of the worst uh, companies that we've always heard about, along with other companies like EA and Ubisoft. Uh, what essentially happened is the company got sh- uh, struck with a lawsuit uh involving harassment, sexual harassment, bullying, things like that. Just this bro culture that seems to exist within the company and no one has ever done anything about it. So you've had people trying to speak up and they get stifled and they're told you can't speak about this, you can't do that. There was another company called Riot Games that also had this very same thing happen to them. 
but they went and told all of the uh, employees who wanted to complain that they had to sign an NDA that they're not going to talk about in public. And they didn't realize that they didn't have to sign that. So they got pretty much pressured into doing that to keep silent that nothing's you know wrong in the company. Nothing's happening here. And with this, this became very public. So the Activision Blizzard team pretty much found some scapegoats, some sacrificial lambs and said, hey, you know what? Uh, you're fired. You're fired. You're fired because it's all happened under your watch. However, the head CEO is the biggest and worst of them all. And yet he gets to keep his job. And it's just frustrating. That's so gross. Yeah. I mean, that man, it was about two years ago, I do believe, they laid off 800 people at the company. Uh, so you start to wonder, well, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. He just needed his uh, multi-million dollar bonus check to clear. So they're wow. fired and he gets a million dollar bonus or whatever. No one needs that amount of money. No. Like, that's so grim. Mm. I, ugh. It's, it's awful. Yeah, it's one of those things that when you hear stuff like that, Ubisoft, same way, they had sexual harassment lawsuits. They fired the guy. But yet some higher-ups who were like the CEOs, they're like, oh, I didn't know anything about it. And it's like, yeah, I don't think so. You had to know something because you two were really tight. But... We just have to swallow our pills and just say, okay, well, whatever they say. But the problem is that you have all these gamers who love their games like Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed. And they don't want you to say anything negative about their company that they don't get anything from. They just get the games from. So they just want everyone to stop talking about it and make the games. And that's all that matters. So and that that just adds up to why these companies yeah. are just so it's so frustrating to to watch these things unfold because the gamers or the worst gamers they don't want to hear about it they just want their games they don't care who's getting hurt the the amount of um oh what do they call it crunch where people are working 80 hours a week just to make a video game it's not worth it it's so sad yeah it's really not like it's it's like archaic it's like slave labor yeah this is 2021 like I don't understand. I don't get it. No, it's it's really, really difficult. And the, the only thing that we advocate on our show when it comes down to this, if you have a problem with it, don't give him your money. Um, when I yeah. say that I had played Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I didn't pay for that. Just I didn't steal it. I just borrowed it. <laughs> Let me make that clear. Right. So I didn't put any I didn't give them any of my money to play their game, which I don't know if I would have, like, I wouldn't have went out of my way to play that game because this is how I feel about the company. I don't want to give them my money. EA, uh, Activision Blizzard, same way. The last time I gave Activision Blizzard some money was because they suckered me in with some nostalgia. And I was like, oh, this old game that I really love, uh, I'm going to buy it. And it was really cheap. And I was like, it'll be fine. But I felt bad afterwards. <laughs> it's like, damn, yeah. I gave them my money. So that's that's the only way we know... To get the message across. If you don't like what they're doing, don't give them your money. Period. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, like, I think that's important. Because I think about this. Like, I I shop secondhand for, mm -hmm. like, most things. Like, I get a lot of stuff just, like, from eBay, just, like, clothes and things like that. Or, like, charity stores or what have you. Um, you know, I just, I like... Um, making those, like, ethical decisions and, like, everyday life. And, like, I think that even, like... In media and video games, like that's important too. Sure, it's like to remember that it's a person behind that. You know, mm -hmm. um, that <laughs> it's their blood, sweat, and tears that went into this, um, and made the thing that you love or the thing that you thought you were gonna love, and actually you hate, and you're just gonna slander it forever. It's like, yeah. come on. <laughs> and that's that's where it really makes it difficult too, because when it comes down to not wanting to buy these games to support those or that company per se, it's you still remember the creators. There were a lot of great people who put their time and effort to make this game what it is to make this so you would have fun. So it does kind of become a bit of a, a, a crisis to your conscience because you're just like, I don't want them not to get paid. I don't want them to lose their job because I'm not buying their game. But 
I don't want to give it to them either. It's it's you're trying to yeah. you can't separate the two. You can't separate the bad from the good mm. when it comes to the game as a whole. That's right. And I think that's why indie games really shine. And that's why people like that is because, um, you know, it's just like a few people and it's their passion. Right. And there there are some very really good cool. publishers out there for indie games uh, that I feel like they have the best interest for the developers and they're not out to obviously they're out to make a buck, but they're not trying to uh, screw over the indie developers themselves. They're just trying to give them a good platform. And if they've got their name to back it up, then people will gravitate towards it. Annapurna and Devolver Digital are two indie publishers that anytime I see their name attached to it, I'm like, I guarantee you that's going to be a solid game. And most of the time you're right. That's cool. That's awesome. Here's a random question. Okay. okay. What do you think about Humble Bundle? Like, I don't understand why they can make things so cheap. And, like, it, the person gets the money? Like, or, like, it goes to charity. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, how does that work? I don't get it. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure how it works. I have looked into them. I've got, uh, well, my co-host, she, she gets Humble Bundles all the time. Uh, it sounds like a great idea as long as everything's going to charity and you're getting something for it. But you do kind of wonder where the money gets lost because that's a lot of goods for nothing, pretty much. I mean, you can that's, practically. That's what I think. I'm like, well, you know, it's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> but they did this really cool deal. Um, I think it was like a few months ago. Um, and it was like a bunch of like board games on steam that you could get it had like splendor and like pandemic and stuff and like ticket to ride and that's been great like me and my family have like played those to death and it's been super fun so mm-hmm. like there's a lot of good stuff on there yeah but it was like it was like seven dollars for like the whole law of them and i was just yeah. like this is so strange this is so much content yeah it seems i mean there has to be some perfect way that they have it laid out or or maybe they're getting i know sometimes and this is something we actually encountered uh with uh, indie developers with the stream team is that anytime you go to showcase or you wanted to showcase their game on a stream so they can get some notoriety out into the streaming world they would give away codes like crazy and at one point we had to tell the guys like look we're grateful you want to give away your codes but why don't you let us sell your game? You know, just rein them right. in. We want people to buy your game. Don't don't give us more codes to give away. You're going to need to make money at some point. So I get I guess where they're coming from, but that could also be where a lot of these are coming. The, the maybe the uh, developers are just donating them. Maybe that's really cool. If so, yeah. I mean, that is that is a dope thing to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm going to have to research and like find out what their deal is cuz I'm just it's like I want to buy these things, but I don't I don't know yeah. where the money goes. <laughs> <laughs> really strange. But no. Well, this has been great. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. We've talked about quite a fair bit. Is there anything else you want to talk about in terms of video game fandom? I know it's like a huge very diverse thing. Yeah, there there are a lot of things in the uh, video game uh, fandom that that disappoints me. But I also, as I've mentioned on both sides, there are good things that happen too. And our mission on Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo is we want to highlight those. We want to tell people the good and the bad. And even if we talk about the bad, we're always trying to find a way to showcase the good as much as possible whenever we can find it. Mm-hmm. And just even if it feels negative to you, just know that there's a good group out there for you. So if you've ever been kind of iffy about video games because you've heard the negativity, there's good out there. Trust me. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many wholesome people like I've met. Really cool people in the Kingdom Hearts community. Like I, I, you know, I've seen some some weirdos with some like really strange takes. It's like, are we really doing this again? Mm-hmm. Are we really gonna slander Kyrie for like the thousandth time? Like, what's the point? Like, I don't. But you know what? I just 
I just switch off from that. I just don't look at it. I'm like, I don't need this on my timeline. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've met some really cool people. So yeah, um, there's always awesome people out there. Mm-hmm. And then I think that's find your group. Yeah, and I think that's the best advice for trolls is don't give them a voice. Don't even respond to them. Just you you keep quiet. You don't give them any kind of energy to continue their trolling. And yeah. that's how you're going to silence them. Amazing. Amazing. Well, do you have any last <laughs> um, video game recommendation for me? Oh, you mentioned Xenoblade Chronicles. I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that only on the Switch, though? Uh, that it is, I do believe. You might okay. find it on Steam, but I, I can't guarantee I do that. Not have a, I do not have a Switch. I Ugh. need to get one, though. Mm-hmm. I, you know... Um, I want to play because I've been invited to like join people play Smash on like Twitch and stuff. And it's like I would <laughs> don't have a Switch though, so I'm I'm tr- I'm trying to wait until until they like become cheaper once the new model comes out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. I might get around to that, but I'll look into it. Okay. And like I said, if you can check out Evergate, that should be on every platform. So that oh, one's a yes. good recommendation. Um, I'm have a look at that too. Hmm. I don't really know about what else. What about okay? This this might be mm-hmm. up your alley. Uh, it kind of would lean more into the, and you may have played it already. Nino Kuni two. I have not played it. Okay, I've heard good things. You don't have to play the first one because, okay. as far as I know, I didn't see any story connections uh, anywhere. I, at least I d- didn't remember them, but. The first one, the way the combat worked was a little strange. Like, I didn't care for it all that much because it was just this weird uh, form of kind of using other characters to fight for you in a Pokemon-esque sense. But it just, I don't know, it was really, really odd. The combat system in the second one so much better. Uh, they added in, like, you can build your uh, kingdom. So you... you get this plot of land and now you have to build this giant kingdom so you can be king. Uh, that's a nice little distraction if you're done fighting monsters or, or you don't want to progress the story at that time. That sounds fun. Yeah, there's there's a lot of great stuff in there. The animation, if you're a fan of like Studio Ghibli films, got that same look and feel to it. It's a gorgeous game. And, and I definitely got sucked into that quite a bit. Cool. I'll have to look at that too. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Stephen, for coming on. Mm. Ha- have you got any any closing remarks? Anything you want to plug at all? Uh, well, thank you for having me. And um, the Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbos on every platform. You can find a podcast, Cinema Salsa, if you want to check that out. We're on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor, and a few others. We're still trying to get our feet out there. And if you want to see something... Uh, a little bit more unique, you can go to youtube.com slash pencil paper productions where I've actually posted the very first animated series, Super Mega Crash Adventures, which is kind of based on the little characters that I designed for our icons uh, oh, for awesome. Super Mega Crash Brothers. That's amazing. I'm going to have to check that out also. It was, uh, it's That's been great. something I've been working on for few years now and i've i've actually had four episodes done uh for some time and i just i've not gotten around to release them because i wanted to have kind of a nice dozen and i'm still trying to get the last two completed so hopefully i'll get them all out soon that's cool that's so awesome yeah well thank you it's been delightful just to chat about video games for an hour yes absolutely loved it yeah thank you so much for coming on thank you So that was Stephen White. This interview was excellent and I've taken notice of all the recommendations and will be trying those soon. Next week we will have Vaughn from the Oppressions of America podcast on to do a deep dive into Star Wars. I'm so excited. My name is Karis. You can follow Journey Into Fandom on Twitter at J underscore Into Fandom and I am Karison Ford on Twitter Please also join the official Discord for all my podcasts, Kingdom Minds, Retrospective, and Journey into Fandom. Thank you for listening. Bye.